0: Alright, you're back in the DFSR. It's a PGA podcast for Tuesday, June 23rd. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is Chris Darrell. Oh man, it's going good. How are you doing this week? It is going, man. We're 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 hot and heavy in golf now. i never I'm gonna lead every podcast by saying I never expected to be this all in on golf, but it only took every major sport in the world grinding to an to absolute halt for me to be, yeah, just be shut down and like not be able to do anything. Um, and just everything, literally everything else in the tank, uh, for me to get fully into golf. But I feel like I'm here. I feel like after two solid weeks and we're going to get back to, uh, RBC heritage and we're going to look ahead to the travelers. But, um, I don't know, I, I'm glad to have a golf partner now to talk about. You've been trying to get me to talk about golf more consistently for, for years now. And I think it only took a, it only took a worldwide pandemic for it to happen.
1: Yep. But here, but here we are. Thank, th- thankfully, something good came from it.
0: <laughs> well, you know what the good thing is? And I think one of the cool things, and and it's and we're going to get to all this stuff in a second, but golf is being really aided here by the fact that, and you can probably speak more to this, is that every one of these tournaments now is just an absolutely loaded field, right? It's just in the in a way that maybe some of these tournaments weren't in the past, but you're just getting an all-star. You're getting like a major's worth of talent in the field every single week, right? Do you feel like that? But in, in, A, am I correct in that assessment? I should probably ask you first. But B, is, is that one? Is it a correct? And Is it two? Have you seen sort of a market difference in like sort of just the quality because of who you have here week in and week out? It seems like because there's just these guys are looking to make up for lost time.
1: Oh, it feels like a treat. Like like you said, it feels like a major almost every week. Uh, we've got like nine of the top ten players in the world, at least seven to nine of the top ten players in the world. Every single week, I wrote in the article, this is the third straight week we've had each of the top five players in the world. Um, just absolutely loaded fields, full of talent. It's These courses, these events aren't used to having these kinds of fields, so uh, we're getting treated. I mean, it's, you'd think... It also skews the stats a little bit, too, because, I mean, we look at some of these courses and some of these statistics and we kind of narrow it down. This is, you know, we look at Pete Dye courses and think, OK, we're going to look at just shorter hitters this week. Well, the reason we do that is because in the past, a lot of these top golfers, Rory and Brooks and, and DJ and stuff like that, they're not playing these types of courses. So now that we get these guys in these courses, it's kind of changing the way i'm looking at things from a week-to-week basis a little bit more um, and digging in a little bit more as to not eliminate the long hitters per se um, it more just brings more people into the field is what i'm finding it brings those those shorter hitters into the field so not only do we get better fields now but they're expanded even more because some of the shorter hitters on tour are have a chance to finish top 10 and even in win some of these events just because they're not hurt by some of the longer courses
0: yeah, last week we had at the RBC Heritage. Uh, I think at one point on Sunday, I want to say it was probably, you know, maybe like the leaders were right around hole eight or nine. Um, I should have written this down in the moment. But it was something like 12 guys within two strokes of the lead yeah. at, uh, at at some point on Sunday before the weather delay, which kind of ground things to a halt. And then, uh, but it's really spoke to it. It was like, this is just. This is kind of anyone's course at this point, right? There's yep. so many good golfers. It was unrealistic to think that someone was just going to run away with it at that point. And you just had sort of just an all-star team headed down, uh, it was sort of headed down the back nine, where it kind of felt like anyone's tournament. And obviously, Webb Simpson goes off and, and wins the tournament. What was your cash lineup look like? I want to actually ask you this real quick because yeah. I think your cash lineup differed from ours and our projections in a way that kind of actually had me tweaking the model um, in a positive way that I didn't in the past. But what, what did your cash lineup look like? going into last week, were you on the chalk? I, I kind of have a sense of what it was, but you didn't tell me exactly where you went all the way up and down.
1: I was actually pretty heavy on chalk. Um, I, I built around Webb Simpson. Like we talked about Matt Kutcher yep. and Ian Poulter. Um, those yep. were the three main guys. They were all uh, Poulter was 40%. Kutcher was 50. Webb Simpson was 60. And then I had Gary Woodland at 40%. Uh, my two lower owned guys that really helped out were Justin Rose at 15% and Joel Damon at 9%. So what I found was Webb Simpson won obviously. I had no other top tens, only two top twenties in there, and still finished in like I think it was top seven percent of my cash lineups between like the five, ten, twenty five dollar single entry double ups. So I was pretty impressed with that. And then Fanduel is pretty similar core as well: uh, Rose, Poulter, Woodland, Kutcher, Damon. The only thing different was I had Maverick McNeely in there, and he was three percent owned at only eighty one points. I was definitely not on the chalk outside of. Kucher and uh, Polter and Woodland over on Fanduel and McNeely
0: was looking really great. McNeely yeah. was looking like headed for kind of a top twenty finish and then just bombed out on Sunday going plus one. So yeah. he was uh he actually yeah I had him as a top twenty bet at decent odds um and he just you know, just absolutely just tanked Left on Sunday. But yeah it was it's funny about that because you know as coming new to PGA which I've been very honest about up to, up until this point is that um you know having somewhat of a less of a sense around what the chalk is going to be because Kucher and Polter. Uh, in, in and in where, we, where we pivoted the model a little bit is kind of bringing a little bit more course history and similar courses into it that we hadn't done to start, bringing in those Pete die courses. Uh, this is after the fact, which would have had those guys easily uh, as kind of along, eating the chalk correctly so, would have had us there. Instead, it kind of went a little different Went with Ricky Fowler, Charles Howell, both guys who missed the cup by one. So I'm not devastated by where the system sort of landed on guys. It's just no. the problem is when you are contrarian in just the wrong way, obviously, And this is the case where, you know, if if Fowler... If each of the, each of these guys just hits one more birdie, they're they're through to, they're through to Saturday, and I'm actually not probably maybe I'm scash. not complaining as much. Yeah, maybe I'm just not complaining as much. Maybe I don't want to be short sighted in terms of how we pivot things. But uh, to have a miss by one is just such a devastating thing, It just really you can't make it up. So um, in general, I felt I still feel good about it. I think tweaking the system to kind of factor that in a little bit more along the skill set uh, does make a lot of sense. We'll talk about that for some of the picks this week. Uh, I we you know I will say you know, we talked about Webb Simpson. I, he was I, he was our, my, our one. Out the one outright bet winner that I put in last week, and he got there thirty to one, uh, which I was a nice way to kind of make up for the weekend. Some of the show, and I, I'm gonna say this right now. If anyone listening playing PGA, go sign up for the Optimizer DFSR.com membership. You go on there, you'll you'll get, have access to the PGA Optimizer. It's worth it just for Sunday Showdown alone on DK. Yes. Like I don't know what people are doing here. I it was, I I kind of texted you flabbergasted on Sunday. <laughs> it like the ownerships, you could just make a lineup for cash. Were the top six guys like the, the top six guys yeah. where win points or win points count? Um, and I forget exactly. I could go back and look at my lineup now, but it, it was it was answer, it was Webb, it was Berg, it was it, it was the only guy that wasn't in there was Sergio Garcia. It was like answer was Bill in there. D- yeah, and answer you were was telling in. me these, answer was super low owned, right? He was like twenty five percent. He was in third place go or second place going into the uh, into Sunday or something like that. I made no. I made me think I had made a mistake yeah. on how we were factoring scoring in. So anyway, worth it for the showdown. <laughs> worth it for showdown. Jeez. Lineup. Yeah, it's just I think it's almost like people don't realize that they're factoring in win points for Sunday. There's nothing else that makes sense, honestly. The, 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 the only yeah. reasonable explanation is you're trying to be different and also trying to pick out the best golfers when not factoring in that actually the win points matter. Anyway, uh, so go sign up yeah. for that over there. That, that alone, we made some updates for the system this week. I'm feeling very confident about it. So we're going to get into uh, this week's, again, absolutely loaded field and some new guys, some very good golfers that have not been in there for the first two uh, tournaments that are going to make their first appearances this week as well. Talk to me a little bit about what to expect here at the Travelers, what kind of stats you sort of hone in on, what kind of course we're looking at, and then we'll get into some of the guys for this week.
1: For sure. So the third week back here, we're at the Travelers Championship. Uh, the course is another Pete Dye design like last week uh, at the RBC Heritage Harbour Town. Um, it's the TPC River Highlands, par 70s, a little bit shorter, 6,841 yards. Uh, smaller greens, again, right around that 5,000 square feet. Uh, so the strokes gained approach is definitely um, boosted again for me. And then you're going to have to look at a little bit around the green. I think overall, a strong tee to, to green game, which is you're off the tee, your approach, and you're around the green is very important. And of those three, strokes gained approach is by far, uh, I would probably say um, the most important by about, I don't know, 20, 30% in my weighting system. And then um, looking at that specifically it, the fairways are a little bit wider, so we're going to see a little bit higher. We're close to that 70% uh, driving accuracy over the last five years here which we were looking at about 58 to 62 percent over the last couple weeks so there's going to be some more fairways hit which means there's going to be some more greens i think we're going to get some lower scores over the last few years we have seen um like last year Ches review one minus 17 bubba's one here minus 17 jordan spieth minus 12 so we're looking at like minus 14 to minus 17 and then like we talked about the last two weeks i think just because of the strength of the field that we don't normally see at this event, I think that's probably going to be what we see again is like 16 to 20, um, somewhere in there. Like we seen last week, Webb was at 22, and I think on normal years, that course was like minus 12 to 15, 16. So that's kind of the way I see it playing out here again. So birdie or better percentage is definitely something I have in my model each and every week. Um, But yeah, looking at, you know, the cut line's usually around even, plus one. Uh, The difficulty ranking here is not that, it's not that difficult when looking at the actual rankings compared to other courses on tour 19th, 25th, 21st, 26th, and 39th hardest course over the last five years. So not too tough, but you don't want to miss a ton of fairways. The, Um, The rough can get a little tall, so you don't want wild drivers. And if you're going with some of those long guys, like we talked about in the opening, I don't think these courses necessarily cater to the shorter players um, and and eliminate those longer hitters as much as maybe it just brings some of those shorter hitters into play. Um, So I'll definitely be looking at that as well. So if you're getting a long hitter, make sure he's got some accuracy to him. Um, See Bryson DeChambeau. I'm sure we're going to talk about him here shortly.
0: Yep. Yeah. So the other fact that sort of the course history piece that we have factored into the model now, we did bring in uh, we did bring in TPC Sawgrass into this week. Um, right. What was the what was the other one that we brought in it was TPC Sawgrass that you said was the other Pete Dye course. It was this one. And then was it last week's The Heritage I, I found from last week? Yep, yep. there you go. So those are the yep. courses that we have in there uh, on Chris's recommendation that would be the ones that would probably most closely mirror uh, besides what you just did here historically, which I think yeah. is something that matters for golf. It shouldn't be all of it. It shouldn't be the only thing you look at. You need to kind of take in the golfer's full resume, I think. Um, you know, you don't want to use four to eight rounds to be the only no. reason you decide how to play a golfer, but it should factor in to be some percentage. I think we have it somewhere between 12 and 15 percent, which might be even on the little of the high side. Uh, not per round, by the way. Um, This is like as a kind of a whole view overall. Uh, you mentioned, let, yeah, let's start with, let's actually start with DeChambeau because I actually think he's an interesting case study in what you do with a projection around a guy. So it's clear, even from my, um, you know, novice eyes, <laughs> that Bryson DeChambeau came back from the, the the quarantine. Uh, I mean, just like straight up with a different body. I, I don't think there's any <laughs> other way to say it, right? Like the guy looks like he ingested half of a golfer like uh, during the thing, like he added some other older golfer onto his physique. And now he's like, kind of, you know, it's the strength of two of one and a half golfers. Am I right? Like, what do you do with a guy? He's just like a different guy. We talked about this with Dustin yeah. Johnson. We talked about with Jason day, we talked about, you know, clear things that have happened to a guy. We talk a little bit of this Harris English the first week, right? Like clear differences around guys and sort of how their play is. And maybe their style, or in this case, their body. Like, what do we do with the He's just a different dude. And I'm wondering if we should just take a smaller sample size, or if it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like I, this is a weird yep. question for me to ask, but it's just clear that there's a the guy just came back a different dude, and I just don't know how we factor that correctly into our projections.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. Um, it seems like he's. a Completely different golfer. Uh, He's put on, I think, close to, I think he's up to, like, 239 pounds. And I think, like, last year, middle of last year, he was somewhere in that, like, 190, uh, 195 range. So he's put on a a ton of weight. Um, He's got that strength he can really take advantage of this course. Like we talked about last week, These shorter courses, because he doesn't just gain strokes off the tee. He he's hitting like nine irons, 180 yards. Um, he's hitting nine irons when other guys are using maybe like a six or a seven type thing. Um, which is incredible because he's getting more height on the ball, which also gives him an advantage on the smaller greens. Uh, the higher you get the ball, obviously, it's going to come down and land on the green and be able to stick on the green versus hitting it at a lower trajectory and rolling off. Um, so he's got that advantage too. So he really does fit. He's one golf that just stands out. It just seems like he's a robot. And But from a modeling standpoint, I know we talked about this off air, when you expand his... Um, his sample size obviously we're getting some of that old data in there from the start of last season which he had a win there but he also had three missed strike or three straight missed cuts last year that kind of factors in there too so i'm kind of on an individual basis reducing the sample size for bryson a bit because he, since the return of golf he his ball striking has been absolutely elite second in this field he's gaining almost three strokes per round ball striking um, only behind Abraham Anser, who I also like again this week as well. The price has started to come up. He's only, where are we here, Rory? He's only $200 cheaper than Rory, so I think people may still riding Rory a bit, but I think Bryson's going to be one of the top five owned players this week, and I'm, I am reducing that sample size a little bit just because he has been absolutely elite.
0: Yeah, it's, this is a tough one. I'm, I'm, I'm torn. I'm torn on this one because I don't want to be hasty in making changes around what a guy's just done historically, and I also want to be, you know, one of the keys to following sports and having good models is to understand when things are different. We talk about this with NBA. It's like, I need to understand when a guy's possibly is playing hurt, right? Like, I need to understand yeah. when there's been a clear shift in how a player is approaching the game, right? We do this with, honestly, maybe the better example is we do this with starting pitchers all the time, right? Like, cause yes, like is there, maybe there's a better example is the the pitchers, is to say, oh, Matthew Boyd never struck anybody out. Okay, now he strikes everybody out. Okay, is it luck or did he make a clear change? Oh, it turns out he's just throwing two different pitches and he's throwing faster, right? Okay, so now we can readjust our historical model to maybe take into account that this guy has made clear changes around how his, how he's approaching the game or how he, you know, what he's in. You know, in this case, maybe Bryson is just approached it by having a different body type. So this one's a tough one for me. I will say our projections are most at odds right now. He is plus 135 to finish in the top 10. I should have had the odds to win up in front of me. It's probably like plus 700, but I'll click on it right now. Oh, no, sorry, plus 1,200. He's tied. He's the best third. He's tied for the best win odds with Rory and Justin Thomas at plus 1,200. And this is where our model most disagrees with this because it has kind of Rory and Justin Thomas and a few other guys up there. And I want to take into account that that might be a real thing, too. So, yeah, I'm with you. I uh, the ownership piece I'm not sure about, but the the clear difference in in just, you know, him being maybe just a different dude uh, is is very much is very much a real thing after him. Where are we looking in sort of this top tier? I do think there's probably some still some pricing inefficiencies on both these sites, maybe on the recent uh, performances. Where else are you looking in the top, uh, maybe in that top tier? I'm going to call that top tier on DraftKings, the 10,000 or above tier, which is there's five or six guys, six. there's six uh, golfers in that tier, and it's right around the 12,000, 11,000 to, 11, to 12,000 range on FanDuel. What other kind of top tier guys are you looking at this week?
1: just kind of as core guys I only got 2 and two more in that tier and it's it's Webb Simpson and, and Brooks Kepka for me uh, Webb is just he's seems they're talking about it on TV last night how he's just like super underrated he's now moved up to number 5 in the world but he doesn't doesn't get the same recognition I guess you'd say as like uh, Rory or Justin Thomas or John Rahm or Kepka or you know those guys he doesn't he doesn't have the same name factor I guess but he's an elite player he's playing elite he fits these shorter courses um, and then Kepka looks like he's really, really coming back into form, um, and that's a bad sign for everyone else on tour. This isn't a major. I know that's a big narrative with him. This seems like a major, though. We talked about that. Uh, he maybe isn't the most consistent. Like He's lost almost five strokes on approach, but we talked about last week he lost 5 strokes on a appro- 4.9 strokes on approach at the Charles Schwab he lost zero so he's right back to even he gained 5 strokes differential from one tournament to the next so that's good to see that resulted in a top 7 finish uh, or a 7 sorry i meant to say at the RBC Heritage last week I think with his putter being so hot right now, his tee off the tee game, gaining so many strokes off the tee, his approach game coming around, the upside for him, he just seems too cheap for the number four player in the world at only 10K. It feels like he should be right behind uh, Bryson DeChambeau, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I, we have them projected right in the same range. Kapka and DeChambeau are right around eighty-eight uh, DK points. I know that's going to seem low, but you got to kind of back out some of the win points because golf is very top-heavy when you kind of get into the final. So I I, yeah. I I get that that number seems low for an entire weekend, but it's it's because it's a weighted mean average. You can't just you know assign all the win points to a guy and, and just right. assume they're going to win. You kind of have to sort of tier it like that. Um, Okay, so if I let me give you this list because I'm, I'm so we have Webb Simpson second, and I will say from a historical point of view, this system was on Web Simpson way early, like before this run. It was like it was very clear from a yeah. numbers point of view that he was ready to sort of be consistently among the best, and now he just the price has come up commiserately when we were kind of testing this a year ago. I remember him sort of standing out. Right now we have Rory, Webb Simpson, Justin Thomas, John Rahm, and then Patrick Cantlay is fifth overall, uh in terms of projection. Uh, you know, this is above guys like Capco, above guys like Shembo, above Justin Rose, right? Now, Cantley has yep. not played, did not play the first two events here. Now, I didn't get a good reason why. The notes just said he just chose not to, so I'm not exactly sure the reason why. What do you think about this projection for him? Because it's not a guy that's played. Obviously, you have a sample size on him. Worst win odds among that group, if you look at consensus betting. But our system has him... Really damn high, and he's way cheaper than a lot of these other guys. He's ninety eight hundred on DraftKings this week, a little closer on Fanduel, where they kind of got the like he's right in the same price range as Kapka and, and Bryson. Yeah. But what do you think about this this Cantley thing? is we're this is drawing him out as a major value, and I'm wondering if the if the fact that he hasn't played these first two events is kind of throwing that off at all.
1: Yeah, I'm. I really always like Cantley. He's super consistent. I get it from you know a system standpoint. Going back to like the players last March, he hasn't missed a cut since that missed cut at the players last March, and he's only finished outside the top 25 twice in that time. And that is, uh, I don't have the exact, it looks like about 15 events here that I'm looking at. He's just super consistent. He's got an elite ball striking. Um, The putter was off a little bit the last two events, but generally he's an above-average putter. Uh, He fits the model in terms of Pete Dye courses. I think the price is down, like you said, just because he hasn't played. Um, Kind of the same with Paul Casey. I'm sure we're going to get into him next. Um, Why those guys didn't play, I couldn't find anything so, you know anything that would be like damning to his projection why they didn't play they just maybe didn't play um he's also finished top 15 here or t15 in the last two years at this course so he literally checks every single box including that value that you talked about that he's under 10k normally in, in a tournament like this he's going to be a, one of those guys and that that 10k and up group is going to be expanded because he's going to be in there
0: yeah, I think right now I'm gonna probably be one of these things where you look at pricing inefficiencies and just say can't lay as a DraftKings play, and maybe I can take a wait and see approach on FanDuel simply because I'm maybe not buying any value there. Like when he, like I said, he's the same price as Capka. I think you know at that point I would probably just take Capka and just know that he's been playing, um, you know how well he's been playing, and just say maybe the maybe the maybe the projections not going to really round this out, but. I can just feel better about playing Capcom. I can feel better playing Shambo at 400 more, right? Where I can just buy something yes. cheaper. That line of thinking makes sense because um, I don't want to do the thing where it's his first tournament back, so we should wait and see because that I think can generally be an incorrect approach. But especially if he's got ownership, <laughs> exactly. Well, and I think he. And I, I'm, well, look, I, I'm I'm, new, I'm sort of new to these streets, so I'm happy to be wrong here. But um, I just feel like the price, it, it, honestly, if you just model price based on where his sort of win odds are, he is like right now. He's the this is for a top twenty finish. So um, I keep kind of toggling back between top twenties and wins. He's top. Nine right now, right? He's a top yeah. nine. He's a top nine in terms of overall just projected to where he's going to land. And he, from a pricing standpoint on DraftKings, he is. And I should have sorted this ahead of time. I keep saying things I should have done that I haven't done. He's <laughs> one, two. I guess <laughs> he's actually right there. Yeah, no, he's right there. But he's, but he, but he's significantly yeah. like he's 1400 cheaper than Rory. So it's like, you know, he's two, uh, 1300 cheaper than dechambeau And I think at that point, yeah. you're just buying. Well, talk to me about Paul Casey then too, because Paul Casey's another one that's just coming back. Decent projection on him, looking like a nice value. Not as not doesn't stand out as much as Can'tley here, but um, also coming pretty cheap from a guy that's had decent results.
1: And he's not always a guy that I'm looking at, like, for win. And I know he kind of broke that mold of of people always saying, like, he can't win tournaments. He's he's very consistent, but he can't win. He has won. He has shown us that upside. Uh, The price is just, I don't know, it just seems to be too cheap for a guy that, for one, sure, he's just coming back, but... He's also finished top five here in four or five times he's been to this event and 17th, T17 was the other finish. He went into the break with good form. Um, so, I mean, he's got that on his side too. He just kind of like Cantley, he kind of touches on on everything except for those win odds like you talked about. But generally, he's, he's tremendous um, in terms of consistency and he comes in at under 9K. If he finishes top 10 this week, Even I would say, let's just go ahead and say top 15. So if say he finishes T14, T13, I bet you his price in his very next event is going to be in that 9,500 to 10K range. So it does feel like we are getting a bit of a value on Casey, considering, you know, unless you can find something of why he didn't play, you know, since, um, you know, COVID came or the COVID break ended or whatever you want to call it.
0: And I couldn't find that. Like It was like that wasn't readily available, except for maybe just the scheduling thing or or just, you know, sort of where he was and. And ready to get back. I, there was no, there was no alarm bells um, in terms of why he didn't come back. I want to throw out one more sort of top tier guy, and then we'll start hunting some value in, in the middle and lower tiers. A few weeks ago, in the last couple of weeks, we talked about Dustin Johnson and being concerned with the back issues and having a clear dis- difference and like having, um, I believe, black back surgery. And uh, right was back surgery that he had, and was that yeah. is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Last um, September. Right, and then maybe having some different issues with form after that and now we get basically a top 15 finish last week and has looked okay uh, since the return are we ready to like sort of recorrect the the issues that we have with Dustin Johnson or the worry we had around Dustin Johnson considering that you know at one point he was one among the very best golfers in the world and had dipped maybe because of the injury uh, I know he didn't make the you know he missed the cut at the Schwab came in 17th last week 48th Uh, I guess you have to go back to the WGC, 48th, and the top 10 at the Genesis. Um, Is that enough to say, is maybe one thing at RBC enough to say, I don't need to worry about Dustin Johnson anymore, or are we still sort of concerned with the form based on the back?
1: No, I'm I'm pretty much getting back on board with him, and I almost want to get on it now before he's back in that 10K range, Uh, 9,400. He's not a guy I'm going to look at in cash. I'm not that confident in him with that price yet i definitely like going a whole different direction in terms of a more balanced lineup and he's not included i think he's going to be a nice gpp pivot it doesn't seem like he's getting a lot of buzz right now but 9400 seems too cheap Um, the one thing that's really off on him right now is the putting Um, he was a little bit better he only lost like 0.2 strokes Putting Last week after losing one and a half the week before and then the WGC Mexico back in February he lost over six. So he's been trending with the putter which is awesome because historically he's gaining about half a stroke to one stroke per round uh, putting the off the tee game has been incredible the approach game came back last week he gained over three strokes on the approach he finished with a t17 i think the upside for the win is coming back 100 percent for him as soon as he gets that putter and starts gaining some strokes dropping a few more birdies he's going to be putting together some top tens and pushing for that win so i i love the value here and i'm going to be on board for gpp
0: yeah, I didn't reduce his projection um, based on some sort of wait-and-see after this because I felt like this was the C the part of the wait-and-see. Maybe that's incorrect, yeah. and you can at me if you think that's wrong, and I'm happy to have a discussion about it, but um, it's felt like to me – If you can get, if you can round back into form over the course of a weekend, even for kind of a one-off, then that to me shows me that at least it's it's possible, right? It's not that it's. And and look, you say the same thing. You say the same thing about the miscut in the week before. Maybe that's just you know you're. Maybe I'm looking into being too short-term sample size, but I don't know. Plenty of guys miss cuts. It just happens, right? You can miss cuts. You know, it's a little. It's harder to. In some ways, it feels like it's harder to come in top 20 that it is to miss a cut in golf if that that's yeah. a weird maybe that's a weird way to put it but um it, if you look at this top 20 list I mean, this is a freaking who's who basically from last week right so it's like it wasn't like he yeah. was just kind of sneaking sneaking in uh along the edges the, he was he was just he was just very good to come in that t17 because the, the group of golfers above him is is like a, is, is sort of an all-star team
1: Yeah, and that would have been a top 10 if he probably sunk three more putts, I bet you. Um, It's that close. Uh, And the one thing that is the difference between those two tournaments since the return with Dustin Johnson, the one thing that really stands out is that approach shot. He went from losing a stroke and a half on the approach, all the other stats are almost identical um, across the board, um, he missed the cut of the Charles Schwab. He gained three three point one strokes, which is a difference of four point six strokes on approach. He finished with a T seventeen. Um, so I think that's the biggest difference. So if that's coming along, the putter's coming back. Yeah, I'm on board.
0: All right, let's go. Let's let's go filter down a little bit into some more value plays here. Here I'm kind of looking in that like maybe eight K to seven high seven K range on DraftKings, uh, probably higher eight K range, maybe a, getting closer to nine on Fanduel. Guys that we're going to need, if we're going to play guys like Webb Simpson, if we're going to play guys like Bryson DeChambeau, um, even in cash this week, we're going to have to populate it with um, with some other cheaper guys. Who are you kind of sniffing out on this list? I think we're going to have some overlap here, though not 100%. Uh, where do you look in when you're looking to round out some maybe some cash value, knowing that we're going to probably have to pay up for at least a couple of these uh, these top tier guys?
1: Yeah, the first guy I'm looking at at 8,100, kind of in that mid-tier. I like a lot. This is his first time here, so he gets dinged a little bit in my own personal model, on my main model on the sheet. But if I take out course history, he jumps up big time. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick coming over from the European Tour. He's got five career wins over there. Still only 25 years old, so you could kind of tell you his pedigree and, um, you know, his talent level and stuff without even going in and digging into the stats or anything like that. But five wins on the Euro tour, tour at 25 years old is pretty impressive. This is his first season on the PGA Tour. Um, it's been pretty impressive. He's made all seven cuts with two top tens, two top, well, they're both top 25s, obviously, and... Um, And also finished last week with a T14 at the RBC Heritage, all four rounds of 68 or under. Actually, since both, since the return of golf, he shot all four rounds in each tournament. So eight rounds under uh, 69 or under, so under 70. So he's getting those bonuses on DraftKings for all four rounds under 70 right now. Um, The stats don't. I mean, don't stick out a whole bunch, you know, when you're breaking down the approach stuff. He's kind of in that 30th to 50th rank Um, in my model, looking at like the last 24 rounds data for all the golfers in the field. So he does, but he's solid across the board in terms of those. So kind of consistent there. So 8,100, I'm on board. He only went up 200 after a T14 last week. So on board with him. Brian Harmon is a guy that stands out in the mid 7K range. Um, He's got top tens in three of his last five events here at this tournament and he's made the cut in six seven or seven of eight trips here at this tournament comes in with some form top 30 finishes in his last two and then keegan bradley's just an excellent ball striker 7400 he finished t2 here last year and he's got a 24.2 average finish over his last five tournaments here so those three would be my core kind of in that uh, low seven to eight k range
0: yeah it's interesting i think among that group um Fitzpatrick is probably the best projected. I think um, among that group, he's got decent. Like I said, decent sort of like similar course history. Keegan Bradley, not as high on though. I wonder if the sample size is kind of doing him a little dirty. I'm not gonna look into that one. Well, he hasn't played as much on these courses. I only have eight rounds on this on the similar courses, though. He's been awesome in those eight rounds that he did play. So that's that is probably helping him uh, a little bit. Uh, decent projection, just probably not a guy. Over the long term that has come in as close as our system wants uh, in terms of safety, you know, I'm you're actually obligated to talk about Tony Finau. I mean, this is like the yes. guy like every single week I, you can just I should just like <laughs> pre record a Tony Finau thing and then just say we could rename so this, the pod, couldn't we? I should see if I could get him to sponsor it, actually, because then oh, it would say, then it would go. then it would seem like less it. weird. At least it would be like unless you would <laughs> know you would know why I was talking about. It. I would like, say this 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 segment sponsored by Tony Finau. Uh, we just have to talk about him. Then you would know at least like where um or at least where my bread is buttered. But we joke about it every week, and then every week he just makes the cut and just as good, right? Like I just don't know yep. what to say about him at this point from a cash game perspective. He's gonna until something major happens. We just have a monster sample size of this guy just being good. Not great. Yep. He's not going to win the tournament. He's not going to. He's not going to light the you know light the world on fire. But at eighty two hundred on DraftKings, it just. I mean, is it wrong? He's not a hundred percent play for us when you run all fifty lineups or whatever. But he's eighty four percent. He's the second highest guy. I want to talk about some of these other guys that are kind of showing up high, but second highest guy that comes into lineups. He's kind of right there with Cantley. Mm-hmm. Does it seem wrong when you see this name every week? Cause we laugh about it, but then it's kind of at the end of the week when it's Sunday and he's still made the cut and kind of finished. Okay. From a cash game perspective, it, he doesn't kill you either.
1: He, he doesn't kill you like ever. Um, what I like what I like most this week uh, and I like Tony Fino every week just like you is the price the price has slowly gone down over the last 10 events um, he was 8100 at the players 8200 here but we've seen him as high like the American Express back in January he was 105 and then he was 93 at the farmers in a pretty good field 96 in the waste management in a pretty good field there so seeing his price here this week is what really stands out to me and like you said every week he's just absolutely just super consistent like he's only missed two cuts in 11 11 events this year he only missed five and 25 last year um and when he does he's in that top 25 to top 40 uh which is not going to hurt you in cash but he does give you that top 10 upside i don't think he's got win potential i mean anyone can win um with you know put together four good rounds but in this kind of field i don't see him as a winner i wouldn't bet him outright but uh top 20 uh definitely going to be a bet for me almost every single week provided the number is there and in a field like this um i think we're getting him at let me just see here yeah plus 225 so i'll take that for a top 20 bet and a cash game almost a cash game lock at 8200 i mean that's just
0: too cheap for him considering that his prices came down a lot throughout the season and just remember, like that, you know, those DraftKings, those DraftKings average points factor in the win stuff, right? And so when it factors yeah. in the wins and mm-hmm. the top, you know, the top ten finishes and whatnot, or top twenty finishes, he's never gonna he's never gonna spike those numbers because he just doesn't really win the tournaments. But he's never gonna he he's rarely gonna bottom out and kill you on it. And that's why the price kind of keeps going down because these other guys have the upside to actually win, which drives the, drives their price and their average DK points up. Correctly, by the way. Yeah. But when you're looking at just getting you got to get six guys through the cut most weeks. Sometimes you can maybe sometimes get away with the fifth if it's a chalk, right? Like if you if you can if you can if you find if you stumble your way into a miscut cut on the chalk, you can kind of back your way into cash. Uh, that can happen, but remember for cash cuts are key. And I if you're new to if you're n- new to golf here, yeah, it just really can't be overstated. You got to get every guy through. You got to get the guys through to Saturday. You need guys that are going to be et cetera. Oh it, right, these are all-star fields. Like you just can't. Well,
1: be... we're down to also this season is new with the cut line is t sixty five and ties. It used to be t seventy, so we're losing like ten to twelve players per tournament almost this year versus last year. And there's no more um, w. Uh, what do you call it? W made cut. Whatever you want to call that, um, where you make the cut, but they do another cut on Saturday. I can't think of the word right now. My mind has gone blank here. But we don't have that anymore either. So. Less players are making it to the weekend, which is making it harder. So yeah, it's more important than ever to get six of six through.
0: Yep. Okay, let me give you a couple other uh guys. These are guys are all I'm gonna, MDF. I'm gonna... It's the MDF. I figured it out. Sorry. There maybe you maybe not you finish. Go. Boom. But you got a lot, you got a lot in your mind. I never I never I didn't know what that was at all. So believe me, you're already you're you're, you're many laps <laughs> ahead of me on this, no matter even if you couldn't think of that or not. Uh, Ian Poulter, I think he's going to see pretty high project, uh, ownership on him again on DraftKings, 7,800, um, just the core stuff, the the recent finishes, the fact that he was chalk last week and, and and performed, I think all that. Am I wrong yeah. by that one? I'm just kind of throwing, no, I'm, no, no. I'm not trying to do a throwaway here, but he, you know, T14 was up near the top uh, like almost, I think, heading into Saturday. I mean, basically finished near the top anyway. It's just six strokes off the lead, but the, um, I think we see him probably as chalk again would be my guess. No Kucher this week, um, but I think you see Poulter's ownership go up. I want to throw out three names sort of right in a row here for you because they're all sort of in this, or excuse me, uh, well, yeah, three names total. They're more in line on FanDuel in terms of pricing. Two of them are in the six, the sub seven K range on DraftKings. Uh, no particular order, but guys, the system like that. I kind of texted you about last night, Harry Higgs, Matt Naismith, Bud Cauley. uh, 81 for Higgs on FanDuel, 83 for Naismith, 86 for Cauley. And over on DraftKings, Naismith, 66 and Harry Higgs, 64. Well, seeing these names kind of cheaper, you know, we we have these loaded fields. Maybe these aren't the names that jumped into your if you're kind of a casual golf fan. What do you hear when you, what do you think when you see these names potentially as cash game plays, knowing that maybe I got to spend up a little more to the top end range because there's not, doesn't seem like we're as mispriced this week on DraftKings like we were last week?
1: Yeah. Higgs stands out the most. I'm, I'll start with him. I'll lead off with him. Uh, dude's pretty much a legend. Go check out his Twitter account if you haven't yet. Um, But looking at it statistically, what scares me about him... Off, You know, first look, when I start looking at his stats, our strokes gained approach is, like, he can lose. up. He lost 5.3 strokes last week, still finished T-52. What saves him and makes him a little more consistent because he has made seven straight cuts on tour in some pretty darn good fields. We're talking the Farmers, Waste Management, AT&T pro M at Pebble Beach, uh, the Honda had a good one, Arnold Palmer, Charles Schwab, and RBC since the return. These are all good fields with tons of good golfers. He has made the cuts in all of them with... Three top twenty-fives in there as well. What keeps him is that off the tee game. He's gaining strokes off the tee, and he's he's had an elite putter. He's only lost less than, or he's on, He's gained two or more strokes in. Four, five of his last six events, he had one really bad one there at the Honda, still finished T58, where he lost 5.6 strokes. That's too bad, because that's the one event where he gained strokes on approach, so if he could have put it all together, he probably, you know, would have been in that top 10 range again, but I love the safety, and I think the upside is is there if he can get his approach game on, so, I mean, at 6,400, 8,100 on FanDuel there, I think uh, he makes a lot of sense. You also mentioned... Matthew Naismith, you know, so, hold on before you move return, on to, you know, I, I gave you the yeah, three guys. Go Higgs. And I'm,
0: uh, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna. I will say around Higgs, he's right at the sample size floor that I, and by that, that's not yeah. a good thing, by the way. Like he's barely scraping into it. Like there's a certain number that I've sort of just arbitrarily chosen is the number of rounds you need to play for me to start feeling confident around the projection. He's barely, he's at like 54 according to our system right now. Uh, that's barely there in terms of feeling confident. Now he's been crazy consistent, like the standard deviation 0.03, which is really, really, I, mean, I these numbers aren't going to mean anything to you. If they're just coming out of thin air, I just want to say that's so low, which means he's just doing the exact same yeah. thing. Basically every round, uh, there's a lot of value in that, but again, 54 rounds compared to like, I am just throw out random guys. Brian Harmon's 128, right? Okay. Chesson Hadley, a hundred, oh, hundred and four. I'm just going by, by like sort of alphabetical list around where, where we are with rounds played. So 54 is basically half of where I want to be kind of with a sample size. And so that actually scares me a little bit. So I'm kind of, this is why I throw okay. these guys out there to you because I'm, I'm like, you know, talk to me. I, I kind of need to be either talked in or talked out because at that point at 54 rounds, I'm like, I could be easily talked out of it without losing any sleep about it. The other guy was Matt Naismith. Um, not exactly in the same range in terms of where we are. Oh no, sorry. Right. Sorry. take that back right in the same range of where we were in terms of sample size. Only 48 been very good, not as consistent, but better on average, really small course history. I don't know where do you land with him? Because this is another one where I'm like, I kind of butt clench a little bit around, around just not having maybe as much data as we would want.
1: Yeah, he completely turned things around this season. Like, he missed, I, I understand if you extend that sample size into 2019, um, he missed four of five cuts, or four of six cuts in the 2019 calendar year. He's since made, it uh, looks like, about eight of nine. And the, the approach game is what really stands out. It's been near elite. He's gained six plus strokes on approach in two of his last four events. He's gained at least a stroke um, in six of last seven. So, he's been really good in terms of that. The other thing that stood out with me with Higgs there, uh, that I look at on the sheet, is salary to odds differential. So he's 63rd in terms of win odds at 201 to 1 on my sheet. I think he's dropped actually a little bit. But he's 88th in DK rank. So there's a huge discrepancy there. It's the second highest number on my sheet in terms of looking at um, value and DK pricing compared to win odds. So that was the other thing that stood out. Naismith in comparison is only a plus 9 versus a plus 25 for Higgs. So still a little bit of value there um, when looking at that metric but uh both of them i think do make sense just because of how consistent they be but they've they've been playing almost like looking at the stats opposite kinds of golf like off the tee higgs has been elite and he's had an elite putter versus uh naismith has been a little bit less in that area but he's been elite on the approach shot so it's uh it's
0: definitely which would would explain the standard deviation differences right like so like the where like um if you're, your standard deviation is going to be lower if you're just more accurate to start and to finish rather than in between. Yep. So it's like, i just not yep. trying to be, like, trying to take anyone to school here because I, that's, I'm very rarely going to do that with golf. But it makes sense why about why one would be a little bit more volatile than the other. Last guy, Bud Cauley. Thoughts on Cauley? another guy that's kind of creeping around this area, not feeling amazingly confident with it, although I, um, I'll just check his sample size real quick, too. I believe it was a little higher than these are, too. But when you see Cauley maybe creeping around some lineups, uh, a name that you can kind of sink your teeth into. Uh, again, he has 109 rounds, so definitely more uh, low standard deviation, but probably a little more close to an average golfer than the other two guys have been over that sample size. Cauley, when you see his name, only 6,900 on DraftKings.
1: Yeah, I love the approach game. Um, that he has and the around the green game I mean that is enough there to give him some consistency so I can see why he makes you know a lot of cuts Um, he's had some success here just the fact that he's 6,900 while these other guys there is probably five guys below him in price that I like better so I probably won't get to Colley myself this week but I can definitely see why he stands out in the system his price even dropped on both sites you know compared to uh, last event too I know he missed the cut Uh, he finished uh, I think T100 right around there after two top 35 finishes is actually, he made the cut in five events before that. So I, I can see why, looking at the system, why he would stand out. But for me, um, I've got guys underneath him that I like more. Uh, we talked about two in Naismith and Higgs. The other two that I wrote up in my article were Tyler Duncan was one of them. Um, and Will Gordon was the other, if you really want to dip down. Um, he was the 2019 SEC Player of the Year. Pretty solid start, uh, making six cuts. Four of six cuts um, on his PGA t- since he's joined the PGA Tour this season with a top 10 and three top 25. So for for a guy that young, that's pretty impressive. Um, nothing really jumps off the page in terms of stats outside of maybe his off-the-tees 35th and 44th in par-4 scoring and 12th in par par four scoring from 400 to 450 yards there's eight of the 12 par fours this week are in that range so that's just a couple things that stood out for me that's more of a stars and scrubs gpp play duncan i would consider at 6500 in uh cash games um
0: oh man talk me into in. talk me to duncan oh. because this this i you know i mean i'm not, i'd never call you out on this stuff but duncan yeah i need to yeah talk me into him because Dun- this is interesting. this is where this is doesn't stand out for you well, he's just his standard deviation is really high, but I'm actually wondering if there's a mistake here. So, can you talk me the Duncan while I look back through this to no. make sure that I just haven't missed something.
1: No, not at all. He's missed a lot of cuts. He's missed eight cuts in 17 events this year. Um, he had missed two, four of five before the break, and the other one where he did make the cut was only a T64, and he hadn't had a top. 60 finish since january at the tournament of champions so it may seem a little crazy but he's came back and he's been tremendous since coming back yeah. um t38 and t28 so very small sample size for me so i get why the systems may be off of him it's the approach game that really turned around for him actually his complete tee to grain game um has really come around off the tee approach around the green his putting has been good um so i'm just kind of riding with that with the price because i feel like he should be kind of in that low 7k range because he does have some course history here as well. Um and he's one of the guys that does stand out a little bit in terms of my salaried
0: odds. He's a plus sixteen there on both sides. And and I by the way, that's a fine explanation for me because I think that we can play fast and loose sometimes with where we look at in terms of um wanting to make changes based on recent form. I think I think golf is the one place where I'm willing to make a concession around recent form that I'm not able to do in basketball. Uh, I'm not able to, well, I go the opposite way. Oh no, excuse me. I, I go the opposite way in baseball, right? Oh, no, no, I go, sorry. I go the same way in baseball where it's like recent form means very nothing, almost nothing to me because we have, you know, these like, you know, huge subsets of, of data where we can say, Hey, look, I, I get the guys on a hot streak, but uh, I just not, I, it, does, it just doesn't matter. Right. This like yeah. if, if streaks were so predictive, then why do they end? <laughs> right. So it's like, yeah. it's not, it's not, a, it's, it's not, it's not around that. I think golf, I think golf specifically around, we have just huge sample size differences with some of these guys and the conditions change more than any other sport, really. So yes. I think that I'm willing to make a few more concessions around sample size. Any other final thoughts here? Um, any bets you like? We'll just finish it off real quick here. Any any I, I can throw out a couple bets that I liked for this week. It's mostly going to be around top 10s, top 20s. Uh, anything that's kind of standing out to you right now?
1: Um, I'm probably going to run top 20s here again, and I'm looking at uh, Finau and Fitzpatrick at plus 225. I like those numbers for top 20 finishes out of those guys, Um, as well as I I can't decide on Dustin Johnson at plus 137. That seems like it's getting a little short for a top 20, but still, um, if you're going and putting, let's just say, $10 or whatever on Dustin Johnson for a top 20 at that price, you're getting... 2375 return. So I guess that's not bad. Um, I maybe wait on that. Maybe put some Outright on him right now, instead because he's normally he's normally up in that top tier range in terms of win, and he's plus twenty eight hundred right now. Um, this is more of a jumping on before you know, like we kind of did with Webb or early on, like you yeah. had talked about. I because th- I think Dustin Johnson, if he finishes with another top ten, um, he's going to be up in that plus twelve hundred, plus fifteen hundred range in terms of outright um, odds going forward. So I think we can maybe jump on him a little bit there as well, and then Abraham answer. I haven't completely decided, but plus thirty five hundred uh, outright seems pretty good for me there as well.
0: Um, okay, yeah, I like those two. Um, I, I actually, we, this is a guy that we didn't talk about, but in terms of win odds, in terms of our system, I actually, I, I rarely put in the win odds one in because unless I'm getting like crazy odds in terms of something that our system is drawing out as a huge difference. But two guys that do actually do stand out. Well, Poulter is plus eight thousand yeah. right now. Uh, I got him at plus eight thousand, which felt Pretty good based on even like recent form plus, um just like just his ability to probably land. history and stats yeah, co- and everything exactly like plus eight thousand kind of felt like a kind of a crime to not be able to sort of get on board with it. The other guy we didn't talk about, but I'm actually wondering your opinion was JT Poston. He was a plus sixty six hundred um, to win, and his recent form plus he's actually another one that stands out in terms of win odds compared to price. I think a little bit, but he's T eight and T ten since coming back from the break. Uh, missed the cut at the Arnold Palmer, okay, whatever, but then 35-30, 37-37, and then he had 11 and a 14. So it's not like this guy hasn't been in and around the top of leaderboards. Uh, Not a guy we talked about, but a guy that our, at least our system over the long-term model is actually calling out here. Do you like that? I got him at plus 6,600 to win.
1: That's a small sample size that I'm kind of ignoring a bit. I don't like the win. Um, he's been absolutely terrible here. Like not even three, three times here and not a top hundred finish at this event. Um, like I said, that's not high, high in my model, but it's something I'm looking at. I do yep. like to see these finish with top tens. I would be more inclined to maybe put a top 20 bet on him, um, right now. And you said DK in terms of uh, DK dollar, he's actually, I have to update this, but he's a minus two. So he's 25th in odds and 23rd in DK rank for me. So I, I like it for GPP I just don't think he's consistent enough for me to consider in cash or I don't think he's got really that win upside either to uh, put an outright for like for me to get to a point where I would put an outright bet on him based on his two top tens over the last week I'm looking at like a hundred to one kind of thing 80 to one to 100 to one before I think about it
0: all right I had my plus 700 top 10 I'll roll off a couple more top tens that I had just for anyone that wants to steam uh, or the tail some of these Patrick can't lay a plus 250 top 10 like that uh, plus, uh, 450 plus, uh, four fifty top 10, Colin Marikawa, or Marikawa plus three thirty five. Uh, and then I got, you know, I kind of put in Poulter and Poston at their, uh, plus 700 each, uh, to finish top 10. So that's kind of where I landed on
1: cool. some of
0: these top 10s bets. Um, anything else final? I, I, again, I feel like we've, we're, we're bonding again around golf in a way that I didn't think we were going to.
1: I mean, we just made 50 minutes just go by like absolutely nothing when we're used to doing like 30-minute podcasts. So, yeah, I I could sit here and talk for two hours, but uh, i got to go update some sheets. Um, I'm working on the putting splits right now. I'm going to be adding that to the sheet this week, uh, looking at – this one's a little bit tricky because of the bent slash poa. Um, So it's bent grass with poa that kind of grows through. Poa is a pain in the ass, more like a weed. Um, So it's kind of hard to break down those putting splits, but I'm going to do my best and look back at some courses that have a mixture of that bent and poa grass, Put that on the sheet here this week. Put it in the model. And then the other thing that I'm working on is my sheet looking at DraftKings salary, uh, DK points, and points per dollar value over the last you know however many tournaments for every player in the field. So I will be posting that um, in the chat on DFSR as well. And I will actually post it as a sheet
0: on uh, Chris's sheets page as well. All right. Great stuff as always. DFSR.com slash membership can get you uh, access right now to the PGA Optimizer, which I've been really pretty pumped about. It's going to keep you going all weekend. It's going to have the cash game lineups uh, and GBP lineups for DraftKings and FanDuel for the weekend, but plus all those showdown slates and the aforementioned Don't Sunday forget show- round four. Yeah, I was going to say, an aforementioned showdown uh, for round four, which, again, seems like everyone just doesn't understand the rules. So go check that out. dfsr.com slash memberships. You also go over to Patreon and visit Chris. Uh, Chris, give out your Patreon and your Twitter real quick because I always spell it wrong um, because I think I'm I'm adding an E where I shouldn't be. Give out your Patreon and Twitter (laughs) real quick.
1: Twitter is at Yeager underscore bombs nine. And my Patreon is www.patreon.com slash Yeager bombs. All one word.
0: There you go. All right, buddy. Enjoy the weekend's worth of golf. I'm sure I'll text you all weekend when I get mad about some guy lipping out a putt that has me miss the cut. Other than that, I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) Later.